The Green Bay Packers went down to the heat and humidity of Jacksonville, Florida and came away with a victory on the NFL's opening day, although they showed there was still plenty of work to do. We'll talk to Dan Dalkey of Lombardi Avenue about the good and the bad. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're talking about a season-opening victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone today. Expert interview. We have Dan Dalkey of LombardiAv.com and CheeseheadTV.com joining us. Dan, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great today, Brian. How are you? Very good. Welcome back for an encore performance on the show after just joining us a little after a week ago. Glad to have you back. But let's break down this this game, Dan. Uh, there's plenty you talked about. Uh, let's start with uh, the Packers leader here, Aaron Rodgers. After a down year in 2015, is Aaron Rodgers back to being the player we've known over the years and back to an MVP caliber player? Yeah, I would say he he definitely is. I mean, I thought he looked pretty pretty sharp in the game, especially considering he didn't really play much during the preseason. I mean, as as the offense as a whole, they still had a lot of issues. Um, we still saw some of the issues they had last year. Uh, the running game was struggling. There was there weren't a lot of openings for Lacey. Uh, definitely something they're going to need to address and get going. Um, also, third down efficiency wasn't great. They're only one for five on third down the first half. It got a little better. They finished the game seven for 14, but you'd still like to see that improve. And that was a big issue they had last year. And then also the red zone offense, we saw some struggles um, in the second half. They had two drives stall out inside the 10. It looked like some miscommunication was going on. And we saw some of those frustrations, uh, especially in the last one, where they had to settle for a field goal after Starks ran a draw and it looked like Goffin Swineman thought it was going to be a pass. And after the game, Rogers said there was a mixed mix signal and half the team thought they were going to run it and the other half of they are going to pass it. So the offense has a lot to work on, a lot to iron out. I would say considering they went down to Florida playing in 100 degrees, I thought it was a great win. I'm not going to complain too much. Um Roger still made some ridiculous throws. I mean, the one that he threw to Adams was one of his best throws I've seen. Uh, he's getting chugged down by a defender. And even last year, I mean, I still thought he had a pretty solid season. So uh, I'm not going to complain too much about Rogers. I also acknowledge that he can't do it alone. He needs some help, and we need to get this running game going. We need to get guys like Nelson and Cook more involved in the offense. But Cobb played a heck of a game, so Cobb's there. But some of these other guys need to step up too, and I, I definitely think Rodgers could have MVP type numbers if some of these other guys on the offense step up. 
Yeah, a mix of good and bad this first game of the year, which I think it's just great that they came away with a victory, but it lets them know they still have plenty to work on and uh, mm-hmm. not not an easy game coming up against the Vikings next week. But, you know, what, what did you make of Jordy Nelson's return? And do you think he's capable of putting up the same statistics of seasons past that we've seen out of him? Yeah, I thought his debut was just about what I expected. Um, I didn't expect big numbers from him uh, yesterday. And, you know, six catches, 32 yards. He had a touchdown. He did some nice things. They they tried to get him involved in the offense after the, you know, first drive or so. They He, he was kind of quiet. And so they're, they're trying to do some bubble screens and, and short routes to him. Um, so he, he did some nice things. I think it was good to get his feet wet a bit. We'll see what he does in these next few weeks. Um, but I mean, I expected, I guess, them to push the ball downfield a little bit more and they didn't. And I'm not sure how much of that is, um, because of protection or because of what the defense is doing. It seemed like from what, from some of the plays I saw that, um, the safety was over the top a lot on Nelson. So maybe just having Nelson on the field opened things up for other guys, but you would definitely at some point like to see. Rodgers connect downfield more to Nelson. I think Nelson's longest reception was eight yards, and so that's that's very un-Nelson-like. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I think it's still a solid debut after not being not really playing significant football for a year and a half or so. Um, I didn't really see like a, the knee being a big issue as far as him cutting or uh, doing stuff after the catch. So we'll, we'll wait and see. I think it was a good sample, but it wasn't really what we're used to yet. And it might not be for maybe even a couple of weeks. Um, again, Nelson didn't play in the preseason at all, and that was maybe he could have, and maybe we could iron some of this stuff out. But that was a decision made by the coaches. Um, and kind of with a lot of the offense, it seems like they, they rested these guys, and we saw their first game was a little rough. Like you said earlier, a lot of up and down, and maybe maybe it would have been a little smoother if they played a little bit more in the preseason. Um, but that was their coach's decision to keep these guys healthy. Yeah, I think for a guy just getting his feet wet for the first time, I think it was a positive performance. Uh, still a ways to go yet in terms of Jordy Nelson's comeback, maybe not being quite on top of his game as he would like, but maybe they'll come in due time. But speaking of wide receivers, uh, Dan, are we, are we destined to expect an up-and-down inconsistency from Devontae Adams like we saw on Sunday? Obviously, he had the huge touchdown, great play, but there were a couple mm-hmm. other ones that were a little head-scratching, I guess. Yeah, it's it's weird with Adams. I know he's healthy now, so ankle's not an excuse anymore. I mean, it seemed like Sunday was just a microcosm of what we've always seen with Adams. He'll have some great plays and then some like you said, had head-scratching plays. I mean, the first quarter, our first three and out, Rogers throws a slant to him on third down, and he trips, and it goes over his head. And then the next drive, uh, we have another three and out, and on third down, Rogers launches the ball down the field, and it goes off Adams' hands. I mean, it would have been a tough catch, but he had the, you know, he had the edge on the defender. He had two hands on the ball. He's got to catch that, you know, and, uh, but I do think I do think he improved over, over the course of the game. He had three nice catches, especially that touchdown, that 29-yard touchdown. I mean, how can you fault the guy for that one? That was a great catch in coverage, great throw. I mean, overall, he still had a pretty nice day. Um, but, you know, he's got to do more. And, again, he's kind of a wait-and-see mode. We'll see what we get from him 
I'm trying to give him some slack. I'm trying to give him some time before I call out the dogs and tell and you know I don't want the, the package to cut him or anything. I mean, this is only his third season, and if we remember back, uh, James Jones, Jermichael Finley, these are guys that also dealt with inconsistency early on. They dealt with drops and head scratching plays, and about the third or fourth season, they they got it figured out and they got you know they got it became a big part of the offense, and so. I'm hoping that happens with Adams this year. I kind of feel like my hunch, and this is going off of nothing I've seen, my gut feeling is that he'll get it figured out this year, and by the end of the year we won't really be talking about how inconsistent he is. He'll just be a part of the offense. But maybe that's wishful thinking. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, as long as it's a building block for the rest of the season, I think uh, you know uh, we can be happy with, with what he did in week one. Uh, but he's got to improve for sure. Uh, Dan, uh, how do you think Lane Taylor held up in his first career opening day start after replacing Josh Sitton? Well, considering how rough the offense was at times, I thought Taylor was actually kind of a pleasant surprise of the game. I expected this to be a, a major area of weakness, probably like most fans. I mean, we lost it in a Pro Bowl caliber player and Taylor – I'm going to be honest, a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't even sure if he's going to make the 53-man roster. He had some rough rough games in the preseason. But obviously the Packers saw stuff in him that they, they liked. Maybe he was performing better in practice. But I, I thought he had a pretty good debut as the full-time starter on Sunday. And he's going against guys like Malik Jackson, um, Jared Odrick. These are good players. And so I was worried about this matchup. And I know the Packers gave him some help. I mean, we saw the tight ends at times, or the, or Lacey chipping the guy that that Taylor was uh, blocking. But I thought overall he still held up very well, especially in the run game. Um, I was looking on pro football focus last night, and uh, Taylor had the second best um, run blocking grade after T.J. Lang on the offensive line for the game, yeah, which, is, which is nice. I mean, he didn't grade out so well in pass protection, um, but I thought overall he, he did all right, and I think it's encouraging that it wasn't a complete disaster. Um, I guess that's how low my expectations were at first. But even Rodgers after the game said that uh, – Rodgers after the game said there wasn't really any issues. I mean, the one sack was Rodgers scrambling around. Maybe he should have got rid of the ball. So I think overall, as far as pass protection, the line did all right. It wasn't, like, amazing, but it was, wasn't terrible. So it was somewhere in between. I think that's just with Taylor as well. Um, but I'm encouraged by it. I think we can – I think it's doable. I think by the end of the season, I, I don't even think we'll be talking about Sitton's absence. We're talking to Dan Dalkey of LombardiAvenue.com here at Cheesehead TV's Railbird Central. Dan, uh, moving to the defensive side of the football, how much of Clay Matthews' disruptive nature can you attribute to him lining back on the outside uh, instead of inside this season? Yeah, I mean, if if Sunday is what we're going to get from Matthews the rest of the season, I think it's going to be great. I mean, I loved what I saw from him. And he had some sloppy plays, like a few missed tackles behind the line of scrimmage, but he's still impacting the play. So even when he's not making the play, he's setting up the play for other guys. And I think we finally – it felt like a breath of fresh air, honestly. We finally got to see the old Clay Matthews crashing down on the edge, you know, going full speed. I think I think what one thing was with inside linebacker, he did a good job, but he had to stop and diagnose. He had to change direction. He didn't know 
you know, which direction the run play was going until the play progressed. And so we saw him having to be more, uh, I guess, mental about his process instead of just going out there and playing. Where when he's on the edge, he can just crash down. He can be explosive. He can time the snap. And I thought we saw that a lot, him getting in the backfield. I mean, he had the one sack, which was which was good, but I thought he really showed up against the run game. On the in the first quarter, he had an amazing play. It was on second and third. The Jaguars just had a seven-yard run, and it was second and third, and he exploded through between two guys right at the snap and tackled uh, Yeldon for a seven-yard loss instead of third and ten. And then the next play, the Jaguars threw a nine-yard pass and had a punt. So I think that was a huge play. It killed the Jaguars' drive. It killed their momentum. And if we can see more of that this year, that's great. And I think we're, you know, if you look at seasons past, and he's an outside linebacker, he'd always have two or three, sometimes four, really impressive plays every game. And then we kind of saw that disappear. He just was more of a solid player inside linebacker. But I think finally Sunday we saw that again, like two or three just wild plays that he really changes the course of the game or really impacts the game. When we finally have that impact player back on defense, and I, I do want to give a, some credit to the inside linebackers, this young group, um, Martinez, I thought Jake Ryan had a good game. Joe Thomas did some good stuff. So I think those guys are holding down that position really well. And so it's allowing Matthews to make plays on the edge. And even if Matthews, I mean, I think he only had like three tackles, he set up a lot of plays for other guys. He was redirecting a lot of the runs, and we saw guys like Perry or Dayton Jones make plays because of it. So I was really encouraged. Uh, it got me really excited. I thought the defensive front had a, a pretty good day all around, and I think a lot of that has to do with Matthews back to where he's supposed to be. Yeah, I think you're spot on with saying Matthews having two or three, you know, real big plays a game. We saw that yesterday, and if he could just continue to do that, I mean, even if he's quiet the rest of the day, if you make two or three big plays like that, it, it really mm-hmm. impacts the the course of the game and and how it's being dictated and things like that, and and that is huge, I think. Um, let's look at the secondary. There's several issues in the secondary, Dan. It seems like outside of one sack by Morgan Burnett, he kind of had a rough day. Uh, how much do you think of that is rust after not playing in the preseason and rarely practicing during training camp for that matter? Yeah, I think this is kind of like a lot of players on offense. I think this is a result of not getting a lot of time in the preseason and, this is Burnett's playing a new role, and I think a lot of the issues he had in coverage was him at the dime linebacker spot or the nickel linebacker, whatever that, that that defensive package they're playing where Burnett moves up and they have three safeties and he's playing on the second level. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I heard a lot of, after the game, a lot of people were talking about how bad of a game he had, and I was actually surprised because when I was watching, I thought, hey, he's, he's looking good, he's having a good game. So I rewatched the, some of the game last night, and then I noticed what what some people were pointing out. Um, first of all, I want to talk about the like. He, I mean, he led the team in tackles. He had nine stops. He looked great against the run. Up in the box, I thought he was really effective. He was in. He was involved in that last play on fourth and one, uh, where Randall started the tackle, and then Burnett and Thomas came in and finished to end the game. So he did some really nice things. I thought he looked physical, but again, like. Coverage was another issue. Um, he had those two penalties. I thought I thought they were a little picky. Uh, the first one, when he slowed down, he got there early, but 
if you watch it live, it looked like it was a simultaneous, like he got there as the ball was getting there. But, that, I mean, that's here or there. And then I thought the, the last penalty and the last drive that negated the Clinton Dix interception, I thought that was a little picky. But, I mean, this is him in that dime spot, and I think this is a new role for him. And he didn't get a lot of experience the preseason. And he gave up some passes over the middle, uh, matched up against the tight end. So I think it's a, it's a new role for him. And I, I actually like him a little bit better kind of as a back-end defender in coverage. I know the Packers like him up near the line of scrimmage to be that physical force. But I guess, I, I don't know, I think in coverage I would put him back in the back end because he's so smart and he doesn't give up a lot of big plays. But I think if you match him one-on-one over with a slot receiver or tight end, there's going to be some issues. So, again, kind of like a lot of guys, an up-and-down performance. Uh, maybe a lot of it has to do with him not being experienced and this new role they're trying to create for him. I mean, it probably was a little uncomfortable for me. And that's what it seemed like, at least, uh, watching the game. Yeah, we'll see how his role evolves as the season unfolds. Uh, another guy in the secondary who struggled at least a little bit, Quinn Rollins, was benched at one point in favor of Ladarius Gunter. Uh, what, do, what do you make of the play of each of these guys, and who's the better option for the Packers? Uh, that's a tough one. I thought the secondary was definitely one of the more disappointing aspects of the game. I mean, we heard kind of all, all training camp that this is the strength of the team, that they're really deep at defensive back. But I think they're getting exposed a little bit. And, I mean, and to their credit, the Jaguars are a very good passing offense. They're probably one of the most explosive passing offenses in the NFL. So we could, we could kind of expect that they're going to get some big passing plays on us. But Rollins definitely did not have a good day. Uh, he gave up some. He gave up some big passing plays especially as an outside corner. He was biting a lot on, on the double moves, and then we saw that happen again with Gunter. When Gunter came in for him, was playing the slot, he bit on the double move uh, with Hearns going across the middle, and he gave up a 30-yard reception, or 38-yard reception. So these guys are biting on double moves, and I don't, I don't know if they're trying to play too aggressive or if it's just inexperience at this point. And I think a lot of us, at least I did, kind of took it for granted how inexperienced they still are. I was kind of just worried about other aspects of the team and thought, oh, we're good in the secondary. But what we saw last night is these guys still have a ways to go. I mean, outside of Shields, we don't really have a good veteran presence at corner. I thought Randall had a heck of a game, so that's encouraging. But Rollins and Gunter have to play big roles on the team this year, and they both really struggled, which is which has got to be concerning. Um, I hope Rollins gets it turned around, and maybe we'll see him play more of the nickel spot and Randall more of the outside corner spot because Randall seemed to do well, uh, especially on the boundary against guys like Allen Robinson. I thought Randall was was tenacious, and he had some good pass breakups and was sticking with his guy. Um, but I was a little baffled by Rollins because I thought I was thinking Rollins was even a, maybe a little bit ahead of Randall based on training camp, but I guess I was wrong. So. Rollins definitely had a lot of issues. I'd still give Rollins another chance. I, I still favor him a bit more over Gunter, just skill-wise. I think Rollins has a knack for the ball. I think he's a better tackler. So I would still start him over Gunter. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I think it was the right call Sunday to bench him for a bit just to kind of keep him accountable and, and, and teach him that we can't, we can't keep having these mistakes. 
Yeah. Um, but I, I would say against Minnesota, I, I would start Rollins over Gunter. Yeah, I, I certainly don't think you throw in the towel on a guy like this yet who's still young and still learning, and we've seen he's been able to play well. Uh, just maybe this wasn't his day, perhaps, and uh, hopefully only improves from here. One last question before we let you go, Dan. Uh, how concerned are you that Sam Shields suffer, suffered a concussion after missing so much time last season? I think he missed more than a month last year. Yeah, I think it's really concerning, uh, especially how young we are at corner. Um, I mean, if Shields has to miss a couple games, he could miss a few games with a concussion. It just depends on the severity of it. Um, we're going to have to go with Randall, Rollins, and Gunter, and Hyde will probably have to play more corner. I mean, Hawkins, uh, the other guy on the, on, the, on the roster, he's injured with a hamstring. He didn't even suit up for this game, so... Uh, injuries at corner, I think that's a big concern, especially in this day and age where you need at least three starting quality corners. Um, so uh, we even saw last night on the last drive, you know, Gunter went out with a, with uh, cramps. Shields went out with a concussion. Morgan Burnett had to play corner. He had to play dime corner. So I don't know what they're going to do um, if Shields can't go against Minnesota or against the Lions uh, the next week. Luckily, the Vikings and Lions, there's not a lot of guys at wide receiver that really scare me. I mean, there's some solid players, but Kelvin Johnson's not there anymore. So, um, luckily, it's, we're not playing Odell Beckham Jr. or anything like that yet. So, hopefully, they'll be all right. I mean, maybe maybe the concussion's minor and he'll be back next week. But if he has to miss some time, I think it's really concerning. And that could be an area to watch. And, and hopefully, the Packers can get that figured out. Yeah, we'll monitor the situation. But, Dan, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on a Monday morning recapping a Packers victory. Thanks for taking some time to talk to us and uh, continue the good work at Lombardi Ave, all right? All right, thank you. Have a good one. All right, take care. Dan Dalkey joining us here at Cheesehead TV's Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. Packers news of the day. All right, the Green Bay Packers win 27-23, and I'm going to kind of keep this brief today. Um, uh, for one, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit under the weather. I'm fine just to have a common cold here, but uh, two, got some things going on today. But quick chips report here. Um, seeing as I don't have a chance to publish this online anymore, you're going to get it in the podcast um, a, a feature I used to do at both Cheesehead TV and 24-7 Sports. But anyway, two two players from each category, your blue-chip performers from yesterday's win over the Giants. Aaron Rodgers, he didn't put up any gaudy statistics. But you know what? He was making plays under pressure. I thought that was the best thing that he did. He was avoiding sacks. He chipped in a rushing touchdown. Um, and I thought those things were great. Uh, there's still work to do, especially getting his timing back with Jordy Nelson. You saw several times that he looked for the longtime veteran who they've had a good rapport in seasons past. Maybe some of it's due to, you know, the rustiness factor not working in the preseason. Maybe some of it's just Jordy still maybe not being 100%. Uh, maybe even Aaron Rodgers not working a whole lot in the preseason. But you, you know what? Apart from that, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I think, was still the rock in the passing game. 
when there were up-and-down performances by others in the receiving core, especially Devontae Adams. You had great, and then you had some not-so-great performances from him. You know, Randall Cobb was solid, but did have the one, you know, uh, face mask penalty that I'm sure he'd like to have back. Uh, Jared Cook, despite getting the one uh, huge pass interference penalty, drawing that, he only had one reception on the day. I'd like to see more production out of him. But, but you know, Aaron Rodgers, the guy distributing the ball, I thought did his job and was a blue-chip performer. Uh, your other blue-chip performer, Demarius Randall, you know, whereas several other players in the secondary struggled, Randall was solid, providing steady coverage, never getting beat deep, breaking up multiple passes to top receiver Allen Robinson, including one deep down the left sideline. And, you know, then you add in a tackle for a loss and run support and making the initial stop on the final defensive play for a turnover, and saving a touchdown on the screen pass to Mercedes Lewis, and making a tackle on special teams, you add it all up, and I think it was a monster day for Demarius Randall, and very deserving of a blue chip. Your red chip performers, uh, one goes to me, to Nick Perry, who I think really stepped up and picked up the slack for a guy like Julius Peppers, who saw a significant playing time drop-off compared to what we've seen the past two seasons. Um, Perry came up with two tackles for a loss, one of them for a sack, Uh, but he was really solid against both the pass and the run, and I thought that was, you know, his biggest contribution. I considered Julius Peppers for a cow chip for kind of being a non-factor, but ultimately went with guys who made more mistakes uh, Julius Peppers was just kind of, you know, persona non grata, uh, where I think others, you know, these other guys that we'll name in a bit kind of, you know, negatively impacted the game. And I guess you could even make a case for Julius Peppers helping out the defensive line in the game. They were a little bit thin uh, and had to rotate a little bit, you know, with the hot weather. So, but anyway, it was huge for Nick Perry to step up, uh, kind of picking up where he left off in the playoffs last year when he had three sacks. And then the same goes for Dayton Jones as well, who played really well. Uh, but Nick Perry ultimately gets the nod. And another, the other red chip, linebacker Joe Thomas. You know, I just want to give recognition to a guy that's kind of under the radar. You know, he may not have been in the starting lineup, but he played a big role, always being near the football. You know, Joe Thomas made the team's only interception of the game, albeit on a tip, but there was some good focus on just, you know, catching up and then catching the football. Um, but apart from his coverage, he also put some pressure on the quarterback when he blitzed, helping out on the sack by Clay Matthews. Um, he, he was also in on the fourth down tackle on the final defensive play that turned the ball over, and he led the team with 18 special team snaps. Again, I think when you add it all up, uh, Joe Thomas really, you know, uh, d- deserving of a red chip and kind of um, you know, playing above his his pay grade and uh, overachieving and, and doing good things for this Packers defense. That's thin on inside linebacker depth with only three guys, three true inside linebackers on the roster. Uh, maybe if you want to give an honorable mention, I thought about the offensive line and it's tough to single one guy out, but I thought as a whole, they did really well, I thought, in pass protection, you know. The one sack was, you know, more Rodgers. It's Dan Dalkey said, more Rodgers scrambling around. So by and large, they protected Rodgers well. They did just enough in the run game. 
Um, and it wasn't a great running game performance by any means, but just enough to get things to work. So uh, good job from left to right. I thought Lane Taylor was probably the weak link, and I thought he still did well considering the circumstances, all the attention he got after the sin release. Um, he did all right. He did all right. Um, but guys like TJ Lang and Brian Blaga and David Bakhtiari uh, really holding up well in that game. Uh, your cow chips, though, the ones we need, and, and we talked about both these with Dan Dalkey. Quinn Rollins, I think, gets one of them. And it's not like every single play from Rollins was bad. You know, he came back to break up the play in the end zone in the fourth quarter that I think was huge for nothing else for his, if if for nothing else other than his confidence. It was big to the team's effort as well. Uh, but his low watermark, you know, came back in the second quarter when he gave up that 30-yard pass play to Allen Hurds down the sideline. And then just two plays later, giving up the touchdown to Julius Thomas. And, you know, I think you saw Quinn Rollins learn a lesson you know, he tried to get physical with, with the big tight ends like Julius Thomas at the line of scrimmage, and it's just not going to work. You know, they're too big. Uh, had he just turned and ran, he might have had a chance, but he didn't. Uh, the Packers actually benched him in favor of Ladarius Gunter in the second half until Gunter got cramps, and, and then Rollins came back in, and Gunter himself struggled. You know, like one of the first plays he's in there, he gives up a big pass play over the middle. Uh, so really some learning experiences there. Hopefully these guys uh, get better and, and learn from this. And then Morgan Burnett, just like Rollins, not every single play by Burnett was poor. He had a really nicely timed blitz that resulted in a sack and he made a number of adequate tackles. Uh, but the two penalties, I think, stand out, one for holding, one for pass interference. And, you know, perhaps it's a case of being rusty after missing the preseason and the Packers also occasionally use Burnett as that extra linebacker that they hinted at in, in training camp. Uh, but it looks like they're going to need some more work on that package because they they didn't get the work that they need during training camp. So I, I think we came into the season thinking this could be a really improved Packers secondary, but but they proved they still have a long way to go. Not that they can't be really good. But just this one game was not a great performance. Demarius Randall was good for the most part. Ha Ha Clinton Dix was good. Uh, the rest of the guys showing they they have a long way to go. Uh, so there's your basically Packers news of the day segment. We'll wrap it up with this. The day ahead. The Packers settle into their post game day routine on Monday, uh, which is particularly busy for the team's head coach. Mike McCarthy will hold his typical day after game press conference Monday afternoon and then go on to record the season premiere of his namesake television show which takes place in the club level of Lambeau Field which is free and open to the public. Uh, it's also the season premiere of Packers Live with Larry McCarron which tapes on Monday at 6.30 p.m. with guest T.J. Lang. Uh, same place, uh, the club level of Lambeau Field, free and open to the public. So if you happen to live in Green Bay or near the area, feel free to check that out. Elsewhere, uh, wide receiver Randall Cobb will host Inside the Huddle at, at its new location at the Green Bay Distillery at 5 o'clock p.m., which is free and open to the public. Uh, and then the fifth quarter on WTAQ in Green Bay also airs on Monday with a player guest. Uh, so basically, so just now that the season is underway, that the schedule and the demands on these players and the coaches really gets ramped up. You know, they're going to be 
uh, breaking down film today um, and, and, you know, the players doing some media obligations and, and it's going to kind of settle into this routine. Will they be doing this, you know, every Monday or the, the day following a game at least? You know, they'll play occasionally on Mondays and Thursdays as well and that throws things off. But just really getting really busy here as the season starts up. But enjoy it, folks. Enjoy the victory Monday. Hopefully we'll be enjoying many more of them uh, over the course of the season. But that'll do it for today's show of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us this morning. Thank you to Dan Dalkey for being our guest on the show. And uh, we'll see you again on Wednesday with Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us here um, in just a few days. Uh, so we'll see you later, folks. Uh, have a good Monday. I leave you today with a song called Valley of the Jig by String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go. Okay.